Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Welcome everyone that's here today. I'm excited to dive into the collection of James with you. I just, I'm really excited about what God's placed in my heart, and I feel like Um, there's some key things and principles he wants to gather as we talk about this subject called prayer, which is what we're going to dive into today. Um, Prayer is something very important to me. It's because something that maybe not came supernatural to me. Um, So before we even step in to dive into what James has to say, I just want to go straight into the scripture. Um, We're going to be reading from James um, 5, starting with verse 13 and ending in verse 16. It says, um, and you can follow along on the screen or on your phones. We have every, every way you can possibly think of. It says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So today I'd like to talk with you about the power of prayer. If you just bow your heads with me when we pray over this service. God, I just thank you so much. I thank you for what you've already done. Even just what, what Elton was telling us, God, it just is so fitting to what you have to say in your scripture today. Um, that you are a faithful God and that we can come to you in the mountains and in the valleys. Um, um, Just pray that your word, Father God, would penetrate in our hearts and that we would just open our minds and open our hearts to all that you have to speak to us today, that you would, we would leave here encouraged, God. We would leave here um, just knowing how much you care about us and that we can come to you no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I started thinking about prayer, I started thinking about when, when did I actually see God respond to me praying? And I was reminded of Jason and I had just gotten engaged. It was the summer of my senior year going into college, and I had returned back to college. I went to college out of state, and my roommate at that time, I showed up. She was like, I'm so excited you're getting engaged. And so she gives me this Bible, and it says, The Power of a Praying Wife. And I was like, it sort of sunk in, like, oh my goodness, I'm about to be a wife. And, then, and I was like, she's like, I really think you should read this. It's going to prepare you um, into being a wife. And I was like, okay, okay. And so I opened it up and, you know, I started reading it. And it, it's really a good book. I actually still have that book by my bedside today. And I was like, I probably should pray, you know, especially if I'm going to be a wife. But I probably should pray over him because, you know, not only should he be covered, but I want to make sure that God molds him into who I want him to be, you know, on that after I say I do. So I remember one day we're, we're on the phone because long distance relationships, the phone was the only way you like stay connected. And so I, we're talking or, and stuff and all of a sudden all this, we just get in this major argument. And I remember I just want to go off and we hung up the phone and I was like, you know what? I'm just, my friend was in the car. I was like, I'm just calling him back and giving him a piece of my mind. Like, I'm just so mad. And then the power of a praying wife came over me, and I was like, no, you know what? I'm just going to pray. So I started praying, and I was like, Lord, just ask that you would speak to him, convict him. Lord, let him know that he is wrong. And I am not lying. Within 30 minutes to an hour, the phone rang, and it was him. 
He's like, babe, I'm so sorry. Now, the reality is I was definitely in the wrong too. But in that moment, he's like apologizing. It was like, this prayer thing might work. Like, I need to, I need to really dig into this prayer thing. And I say all that to, because it is, it's a true story. And it, it really, really spoke to me about power of prayer. Like, this thing is important. But uh, I also share that to you to reveal my transparency of, of what I sort of saw what prayer looked like. Sort of maybe like a genie in a bottle. Like, oh, I wish this and poof, God does it. And so um, I wasn't raised up in a praying, pray, praying home. I was, um, we prayed at mealtime, and that was usually the mealtime of Easter and Christmas. Um, and that's usually only if my grandfather was there. So prayer was not something I was super familiar with. It's not something I was raised under. Some of you may have that same scenario like me. And prayer is something that you've had to figure out, or prayer is something you're still figuring out. Or you may be in this room and prayer was something, I know Jason, he grew up, his mom is one of the most power, powerful praying women I know, prayer boards in her room. I mean, she, she prays 24-7. You may be like that, and prayer is just something that comes natural with you. But I believe no matter where we are, no matter what we might have experienced in prayer, that God wants to speak to us and remind us of some principles on prayer and the power of prayer today. Um, Before we even dig into prayer, let's just talk about what prayer is. I mean, we can't actually step into principles of prayer if we don't really think through what prayer is. You know, I think some of us may have had experience where prayer is maybe the New King James Version of thou out the Lord, and you just, you know, or specific prayers you've had to pray. But I just believe that prayer is just a simple conversation with someone. It's simply, hey, here's the things I'm going through. You're talking to God. It's just a simple conversation. And he talks back to you. It's, it's a, he, you speak to him and he listens. He speaks to you and you listen. It's, it's his conversation. I know for us, we're actually trying to still instill that into our children at night when we go to pray with them and pray with them. We just say, Hey, what's something you want to talk to Jesus about today? And it sort of just demystifies the idea that they they have to work through something magical in order to pray to God. Instead, we just say, hey, what's something you want to talk to him about? What's something you want to thank him about? You know, remember, Jesus wants to listen to you. He wants to talk to you about how your day was and things that you're believing for. And we also just need to not even know what prayer is, but also the principles of prayer won't matter if we don't see that prayer is important. We see throughout Scripture over and over again, the power of prayer, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus himself prayed. I mean, if Jesus is praying, I think, I think it's important in that we should be praying too. And even the disciples, the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, they could have asked him for anything. They could have said, teach us how to turn water into wine. Teach us how to multiply food. Teach us how to heal the blind. But they didn't. They simply said, teach us how to pray. I'm not sure if that's what I would have asked him to do, but they saw that it was important. Maybe they, they saw all the things we see Jesus do is a result of his, of his conversations with his father. Maybe, maybe they saw, hey, if Jesus is doing it, something we need to do too. Or maybe they're simply like I, I am and was, is that, just teach me how to pray because I don't fully understand it, God. Can you direct us and teach us how to pray? I love that. Um, I, I, love, I love their honesty, and I love that it's included in the scripture because it shows us this is something that we have to work on and work through. And I think that's what James is telling us here in chapter 5, those verses that we just read. 
He is telling us, hey, don't forget to pray because it's important. He knew it was important. He knew um, that they needed to remember to pray. If you think, I know Jason spoke about this in the first uh, collection that we did in James, the first installment, it was he gave us sort of some context of who James was writing to. James was writing to the Jewish Christians who had been dispersed. They were facing persecution and hardship and suffering. And so that's what he sort of starts out in James 1. And now he's ending James 5, literally the last few verses of James 5, and he's saying, hey, don't forget to pray. And some of us may even see the title of that in our Bibles. It says the power of prayer. He's saying, hey, look, I know we've talked about all this and I've given you a lot of wisdom, but don't forget to pray. I'm going to end this letter to you to remind you to pray. Let's look at those verses again in verse 13 through 16. It says, are any of you suffering hardship? Pray. Are you happy? Sing praises. Are you sick? It says you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. James is reminding them, don't forget to pray. And when does he tell them to pray? Which He says to pray in all circumstances. And I think that's the principle that I want to talk about today. The first principle is to pray in all circumstances. He said, are you suffering? Pray. Are you happy? Pray. Sing praises. Are you sick? Pray. If you're facing a mountain or a valley, pray. God wants us to come to him in every season. Not just in the, we need the genie in the bottle moment. God, I need you to respond to this. He wants us to pray in everything. He wants to talk to us. Think about this. You and your best friend. What if your best friend only wanted to have a conversation with you when you were going through a rough time? Hey, I need to talk. And, and they never wanted to celebrate you or do life with you. It's the same with our father, I think. He doesn't want us just to come to him in the good times or come to him in the bad times. He wants us to have conversations with him in all circumstances, in all circumstances. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 4 through 7, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and perdition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. All, every situation. You may be in here and very similar to me in this power of praying wife story of like trying to discover, I want to go to him in all circumstances, but I'm not sure how to go to him in all circumstances. I'm not sure even, I can talk, how do I talk to him? I... The Power of Praying Wife book was sort of a catalyst for me in really trying to navigate, okay, and discovering. Because in that book, it's, it's sort of like a little description, like praying over his work. And then at the end, it gives prayer and scripture that you can pray directly. And it was really like a resource for me. And so I was like, what other resources are out there that can help me to, and teach me to pray in all times? And that's when I started researching and I found books like The Power of a Praying Wife, The Power of a Praying Parent, the book on prayer by Timothy Keller. There's another book that was really impactful to me, which was The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. All of these books helped and shaped and formed me because I wanted to know, teach me how to pray, God. Teach me how to pray. And when, when and you may not have all those resources at your hand, but we do have one of the greatest resources, and that's a scripture. I mean, we see, I love in the, in the Psalms, and Jason even talked about that earlier, when David tells 
And David writes over and over again his prayers. And so if you don't know what to pray, open up to the Psalms and start praying. Because David, there, he went through everything. And he wrote everything down. He, he wrote his prayers down when he was on the mountain in the valley being chased, not doing the right things. And he cried out to God. So I encourage you to go there. And there's, there may be times, actually I, there will be times where we will be speechless before God. And we just know I'm supposed to come to you in this, but I don't even know what to say. Scripture tells us in Romans 8.26, it says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our time of weakness. For example, when we don't know what God wants us to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in the word and expressed in words. God has set us up with a personal prayer partner, really. Like when we, he was like, I want you to have no excuse not to come to me in all circumstances. I have provided not just scripture, I have given you the Holy Spirit as a believer, and I have a multitude of books and devotionals and so many things at our fingertips. It says, don't be discouraged. Come to me. You have no excuse. I want to have conversations with you in every day of your life. I just think it's, it's just so important that we, we actually put that into practice and that we pray in all circumstances. And the second principle I believe that James is telling us in, the, in those few scriptures, verses 13 through 16, is my second point, and that's to pray in community. Now, we see that James is instructing the Jews to call for the elders, who are just simply the spiritual leaders of the church, to pray over them and to confess sins to one another. Now remember, the people James is writing to, they have been dispersed. They are not in their normal habitat. I don't know if you've ever like gone on a vacation or a trip in your quiet time, sort of like you're like, oh, I was reading that book, but I sort of put it away for 10 days, or I was praying every day, but now I'm sort of out of my routine and I'm out of my element. Sort of similar for them. They had specific things they knew and grew up doing in Jerusalem. Now they're dispersed and they're facing hardship and persecution. They're not on a vacation. And he's telling them, hey, pray in all times, but pray in community. Don't do life alone. Go to your spiritual leaders. Go to the people around you. Confess your sins. Help. They want to help you. Like, don't do this alone. And it's, it's so, affir- James is affirming the value and prayer power of agreement in prayer with the church. I'm going to say that again. James is affirming the value and power of agreement in prayer with the church. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three gather in my name, I am with them. There is power in community. There's something significant when we ask others. It's, it's the faith move. Pray in all circumstances requires faith, and praying community requires faith. It's putting your pride away and stepping out and saying, I'm going through this, or I'm believing for this, or I want to celebrate this moment, and I want someone to come along with me. It's not something that comes easy. I know for me personally, I'm sort of independent, and I don't ask for help a lot, and I like to do things alone. And I was going through a battle, a personal battle in my mind, and I was having thoughts, and it was, it, it was a rough season. And it, I, had, I was like fighting, I was in prayer, Bible studies, I was praying, I was fasting, and yet I still was fighting this battle. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me personal in just my own little way, go to someone and talk to them about this. And I'm like, I don't need to do that. This is my battle. What's going on in here does not bother anybody, is not bothering anybody else. 
It's affecting me. Why do I need anybody else to walk with me in this? And I, re- and I remember, finally, I was just like, fine, I'm going to see if this works. And I found two godly people that are in my life, two godly women, and I just went and I said, hey, some things, these are some things I need prayer for, some battles I'm having. As soon as I even just went to them and spoke and just saw them respond like, we want to pray for you, it was like a weight was lifted off. See, I had been trying to fight a battle alone when God had put an army around me and said, fight with, they want to fight with you. They cannot fight with you if you do not go to them. Like there, we have an army within, within Sozo. We want to provide every opportunity for you through our prayer and praise cards. People pray in agreement with you over those things. People celebrate. We have our prayer stations up here. Someone to come alongside of you and say, I believe with you. Let's, let's pray together. Let's believe together. I want the miracle in your life. I want to believe for the new job. I want to believe for the restoration in your marriage. And we also have our small groups, which are communities that you can do life with them. You know, one of the roles and responsibilities of our small group leaders is actually to pray for the people in their group by name daily. If you were in a small group, you were being prayed for daily. Because why? We at Sozo believe there is power in prayer when we pray in community. There is something that God does, something that our faith is stirred when we do this in community. I just think it's so important. So James is saying, hey, pray in all circumstances and pray in community. Pray in community. Now, before I move to point two, I'm not, I don't want to just surpass this part of Scripture where it says, and such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well, as well as, as well as confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's a hard thing because some of us in here have done the very thing. We pray in all circumstances and we're praying community, yet healing may not have happened. So I don't want to just overshadow that and move to the next point. I want to just talk about that and just encourage you. A lot of theologians and scholars mean that word sick right there can actually be both a physical sickness as well as a spiritual sickness, something that that we're lacking spiritually in our heart that we need to be whole. I believe it can be both. I believe we see in Scripture that God can heal both our physical sickness and he can make us whole. I believe that. So I don't want you to be discouraged if healing hasn't come for you physically or if healing, or you're still waiting for healing to come to you in the area you may be weak in. I want to remind you that just continue to go forth in all circumstances. Continue to find community. Why? Because we know, like Elton was saying, he is faithful, he is trustworthy, and he is able. We may not understand it all, but he still wants us to step out in faith with no excuses and still come to him. Which leads me to my next point. And then my last point is pray with expectation. I want us to dig into this verse 16 because it is full. It may just be a short verse, but it is full and impactful. It says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I'm going to read it in um, New King James says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. It says the prayer of a righteous person in the NIV is powerful and effective. The word James uses here for prayer is depicting a person who has some type of lack in his or her life and therefore pleads strongly for his lack to be met. It's a word picture of someone in such great need 
that they feel so compelled to push any pride aside, everything aside, and earnestly, strongly, and passionately cry out for someone to help or assist him. He is certain prayer brings results and that we can be expectant that God will respond. The word earnest here means fervent, purposeful, and determined. Not just, God, here I am. What do you want to talk about? But God, I have some things I want to talk about today. I want to give you praise for this. I, will, I am determined to, to have you answer this situation. It's, it's the earnest prayer. is not when we just pray for something. It's praying through something. I will not give up. I will stay steadfast in believing my God can heal. My God can restore. It's determination. It's purposeful. Even 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. You know, I, I, I learned a lot about praying without ceasing in one of the resources that I told you about, which is The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. In that, he talks about circling something in prayer. It's literally like nailing something to a wall and circling it and saying, I will, I will stay praying for that thing until I hear a response from you, God. I'm, I'm steadfast in this. And one of the examples he gives us is Jericho. I, lo- I was like, did Elton get my notes? Because he was talking about uh, Jericho and singing about Jericho, that the walls would come down. Now, when you think about that, they had to literally circle the walls of Jericho. And a lot of us see it, they had to circle seven times, but they actually circled for six days once, and then on the seventh day, circled again for seven times. And I think about that story, and they are in obedience going, God, you asked me to step out in faith. You said you're going to show up. So they just start circling and circling and circling and circling, and, and quietly as well. They weren't even allowed to speak. They're just circling and circling. What if they would have stopped on day three? What if on day seven they thought, we don't even, this isn't, this isn't really working, Joshua. I don't see anything happening. I don't even think they're scared, you know, like, but they didn't. And I believe that's what God wants us to do. Whatever it is, do not stop circling for that thing that you're believing for because the walls are coming down. I don't know what day they're going to come down, but they will come down. I truly believe it. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm living this out too. You know, we are some, we've, Jason shared this too about his, uh, his eczema and his battle with eczema. And there are days that it's good and days there is bad. And there's, there's moments when you want to give up and you want to just say, maybe he's just going to deal with this the rest of his life. Maybe, maybe I should just stop praying because God hasn't answered yet. But I keep praying because I believe his healing could be just one earnest prayer away. One more circle, God. I'm going to give it one more circle every day. I'm going to circle it around because today could be the day he receives his healing. I'm not going to give up. And I just encourage you, do not give up on the thing that God is asking you to continue to believe for. No matter what you see today, say it with expectation. Lord, I see his healing. Lord, I believe the walls are going to come down. It's so important to never give up. Even in James even talks to his disciples about it in Luke 18. He's like, let me tell you a story about being persistent. It says in Luke 18, I'm just going to share with you just to, even Jesus teaches about it. And it says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly 
saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. Sometimes I feel like that about God. He's like, all right, you're driving me crazy about this situation. I'm going to respond. He says, I'm going to see that Jesus, that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord, Jesus tells him, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? He's saying, this is an unjust judge who's responding to someone that's really just getting on their nerves, you know? He's like, how much will I respond to you? How much will our heavenly father respond to his sons and daughters when we come to him? I just don't give up in prayer. So we see the word, the earnest prayer, so steadfastness, and then it says of the righteous person. I want to talk, talk about that word righteous. You know, so many times the enemy uses that word and sort of distorts it and says, hey, you're not really righteous enough to come to God. Do you realize who God is? I mean, he created the heavens and the earth. I mean, he knows the stars by name. You think you can really go to him? Do you know what you did last week? Do you know your past? Do you know your family lineage? You know, it's like anything to keep you from prayer. Because why? He knows prayer works. He knows it's powerful, and he knows it has results. That's, this, that's why the scripture is so clear about, talks about our righteousness. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It is saying, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can boldly come to the throne of God. Because of Jesus, we have access. Because God is approachable. He wanted a relationship. If he didn't want to talk to you every day, he would have never sent his son. He wants us, and he wants to have a relationship. It says in 1 Peter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we bear the righteousness of Christ so that we can step forward and talk to our Father. We can kneel before him. He is approachable. It says in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, So then, since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has entered heaven, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he has faced all the same testings we did, yet he did not sin. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Because of the grace we have received, righteousness is not something we are out trying to achieve. It's something we receive. When we say, Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. That righteousness is given to us. It's something we receive Do not allow the devil to keep you from going to your father. He wants you to come to him because he declares that we are righteous. He wants us to have conversations with him. And I want to end with that last part of that verse. It says, the earnest, the purposeful, determined prayer of a righteous person, those who are sons and daughters of God, it says that it has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, that word results, power and results, it's, again, it's a heavy word because we think, okay, again, I'm going to pray this and poof, it's going to happen. But it didn't happen, Jennifer, so why should I keep praying? 
It says, um, why should, didn't God already figure out how all this was going to happen? What, what's the purpose of me praying to, over this situation? I thought that he already had my life planned out for me. You know, so there's, there's sometimes where we want to step back and say, does God really need me to pray over this? And it, it is sort of a mystery when we get to partner with God and see things change in our life and see his power move in our circumstances. Timothy Keller wrote in his book, and I'm going to read it straight from his book because I think it has so much, so much truth about this mystery of prayer. It says, why call this a practical mystery? The teaching is that our prayers matter. We have not because we ask not. And yet, God's wise plan is sovereign and infallible. It's like these two things that are completely different. These two facts are true at once, and how that is possible is a mystery to us. We feel that if God is completely in control, then our actions don't matter, or vice versa. But think how practical this is. If we believe that God was in charge and our actions meant nothing, it would lead to discouraged passivity. We sort of just sit on the sidelines and say, all right, Lord, have your way. You don't really need me as a part of your plan and purpose. If, on the other hand, we really believe that our actions change God's plan, it would lead to paralyzing fear. Oh, Lord, it's all on me. If I don't pray, it's all on me. It's this fear that could come on you when you have the weight It says, if both are true, however, we have the greatest incentive for diligent effort, and yet we can always sense God's everlasting arms under us. In the end, we can't frustrate God's good plan for us. We must make our desires known and also rest in God's wisdom. There's, there's, we don't have to wrestle between the two. We just have to, God says pray, so let's pray. Why? Because there's power in prayer, and it produces wonderful results. It says, I want to encourage you, I wrote this out, to pray with not only shameless assertiveness, but at the same time with a restful submission and a confidence that God is wiser than we are and he wants the best for us. Like, God, I'm bringing these things to you, but I'm submitted to your will. We see Jesus did that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Take this cup from me, but I'm submitted to your will. Even he, he wanted, to, he went to the Father and he said, but this is, the results are on you. I'm coming to you and I'm bringing this to you and I'm going to be steadfast and earnest in this because I'm, I'm righteous because I can boldly become, come to you. Yet I submit to you, God. I submit to you. You know, it's, it's hard when we, we feel like, what if we haven't seen the results or what if, what do those results mean? Like how, they're powerful and effective, but I haven't really seen the power and effect And I I just want to ask you this question, and I feel like it's a question that sort of God asked me. He says, what if the primary result of prayer, Jennifer, is not that God changes the circumstance around you, but he changes what's going on inside of you? What if God changes us in the process of praying for our circumstance to change? Because in conversation with him, there's something that happens within us, not just around us. When, when the Israelites, when the walls fell, there was something that happened within them. They said, our God is worthy. He's trust, trustworthy. He is able. He is powerful. They saw it. I think there's something that happens within us when we pray and we believe. I think there was something that happened with them even when they circled those walls, something that just built up inside of them that said, I will not give up. I will continue to believe. You are faithful, Father. 
Lord, the greatest thing I ask you to change, this is my prayer, is not my situation, but me. What if the great power, it says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I believe those wonderful results are not just what's going on on the outside, but what's going on on the inside. And I don't just say that as a fluff, like, oh, let me get out of this. What if he doesn't answer to your prayer? I say that because I know it. In praying for Nixon, and I know I keep going back, but that's just my reality. I have a son that has eczema, and it's bad. And we keep praying, and we keep circling. And, and we haven't seen the miracle yet, but he has done something within me. Before eczema, I felt like my prayer life was here. It was good, you know? Like, I feel like I prayed, and it was good. But I have never been so cried out and laid out before God, prostrate before God, determined before God. There's something he's done within me as we've battled this. There's something he can do within you when you are earnest, when you are praying to him in all circumstances. There's something he does because when we go to our father in conversation, he reminds you, I am trustworthy. I am able. I am your healer. I am with you. I am for you. I hear you, Jennifer. I hear you, Jason. I'm believing this. I, you know, there's even something he's done, doing within Liam, you know, our, our other son. He's like, God produces something. The wonderful results he's producing within us and our family right now as we still stand steadfast for his healing, he is producing an undisturbed faith that we will not give up and we will not waver because what if Nixon's healing is one earnest prayer away? So I don't know what you've come in with today. I don't know what you've given up on Maybe you don't have a prayer life, and God says, hey, let's start having conversations. I want to talk to you. I want to be a part of your day and your life and what's going on in your world. Maybe prayer is something that you do already, and God says, hey, I just want to remind you, it is powerful. Prayer is not just something that we check off on our today list. All right, I prayed today. I'm good. But God says, there's power in prayer. It produces something within you. Don't lose sight of that. Thanks for listening. Join us each week on the podcast or live in San Francisco, California. Keep up with life at Sozo Church by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.